Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Kosofsky and I am here with my favorite co-host and my favorite critic, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you today? Good, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Good. So we're going to end off the year today and we're going to end it off with some special films that are opening, either have just opened or will open uh, before the end of the year. That time, you know, when if you're not... Uh, celebrating Christmas on the 25th, then you get to go to the movies and see what's opening on the 25th. And and that includes If Beale Street Could Talk, the latest film by Barry Jenkins, who you remember, and you'll never forget, made the film, the Oscar-winning film, Moonlighting. Uh, Moonlight. Moonlight, yep. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and he also did um, Little Scene, but really good uh, medicine for melancholy. Oh, I'm gonna. I have to catch up on that one. Yeah, nice little black and white indie that he did. Oh, fantastic! No, another, uh, another love story with social issues, kind of like uh, Beale Street. Kind of like Beale Street. Okay, let, don't get me started on that one now. We'll <laughs> save that one for for later. We're gonna talk about Shoplifters first. This is the film by the Japanese master Hirokazu Koreeda. This is the film that won at the Cannes Film Festival. The Palm Door, the biggest prize they have. And in the world, it's considered one of the top prizes. And Shoplifters opens on the 21st, and it's at the Tiff Bell Lightbox because, of course, there's, you know, I said it in a tweet just recently. It's like there's some sort of special convergence happening in the universe where all these masterpieces are all landing at the Lightbox. So, Basically, if you know you have the time off around the, the, from the twenty first, even now they've got Roma and um, and at Eternity's Gate. So once the twenty first, and then uh, you know the twenty fifth roll around, just set up shop there and <laughs> just have some fun. Anyway, so shoplifters. It's uh, so I don't know how many of you know the work of Corrieda. He has made uh, films that that are quite heartbreaking, usually uh, films that focus on family, especially recently. Um, and and what he does is he he kind of very uh, very poetically investigates uh, what it takes to make a family. And the answers are surprising. You know, is it really genetics or is it something more? And luckily, there is there's a lot there, you know. So there's a lot there in terms of what he what he illuminates in terms of, of what we all need and what we all want and, and the human condition, if I'm going to use, you know, the bigger themes and terms. But, but in terms of us as individuals and what we respond to and and how we thrive the best. And a lot of his films have been heartbreaking, um, especially like Father Like Son was uh, one of the biggest heartbreakers for me, but he also made um, Our Little Sister and Nobody Knows. And so this focuses on a family. Um, it's a family that lives on the outsk- outskirts of Tokyo and, you know, the father, the mother, the son – and the sister-in-law and, and the sister-in-law and grandma and they're struggling right and they're struggling and and the the story itself was inspired by a news item that he had seen about Japanese families um and it's about Japanese families who indulge in petty, petty crime to make ends meet even though they have a job so 
It's interesting um, because that happens in a lot of places, uh, including North America, um, where we talk about the cost of living and and, uh, and food banks and stuff. So this is what happens with this family. And so we get to know this family and then slowly uh, secrets start, start happening, especially when they adopt uh, a little girl who they find in this – you know, in the cold, in the street, and um, and she chooses and wants to live with them. Yeah, it's a it's a very touching film, but not in the sentimental kind of way. Like I, yeah, I he's not mawkish. This no. is this is the genius of Koreeda. He he can evoke that that those emotions and and he but he does it delic- delicately. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of class in the way he does it, and there's a lot of respect for the people that he he's focusing on yeah it's it's definitely not your traditional tearjerker like things what i really liked about this film is it takes so much time to put you in with that family that you understand everyone's rhythms to the point that when things start to be revealed and even when they are doing some things that you might deem as not so nice you still feel for them. You still root for them. And even as things are spiraling out of control, you still kind of want to see this unit stay together and kind of pull through no yeah, matter like what. Yeah, like anti-heroes, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, but it's it's the intimacy with the, with the way that he constructs a film, with the way that he shoots. There's a lot of close-ups. But there's also a lot of like shots that establish them in a certain landscape, uh, the outside landscape. But a, a lot of it that that's, uh, sort of centers them in – their their home, which is you know a rundown, cluttered kind of atmosphere, and and by focusing that much on them, and then contrasting that with all the close-ups, and it's the close-ups that really, because everyone has you know so much on their face. You, there's so much you can tell from their face. Um, the and uh, the little girl. I mean, everyone from grandma to the little girl. There's so much that's conveyed, and he takes his time, right? And it, but it doesn't feel like he's taking his time. No. You just realize, and so it's like a respect for them and a respect for us that he's not manipulating. He's not manipulating anything. He's just depicting the way a certain circumstance is. Yeah, and I and I like that. You know, we're we're seeing a wave of films now that are focusing on what I like to call the the new poverty. Um, mm-hmm. And we saw it with Firecrackers. Um, at TIFF this year, uh, I would say the Florida Project, yeah. where you have individuals who aren't your, I guess, traditional definition of poor. And as you said, the, uh, the, a lot of these individuals have j- jobs in this family, you know, but they still need to scam to get by because they're working hard, in some cases risking their lives at their jobs and barely making enough to make ends meet. And mm-hmm. in many ways, I feel like the film is also commenting on us the viewer because when we first are introduced to this family i guess we kind of get our on our little moral high horse of like oh how how can this you know father and son be shoplifting and teaching (laughs) but then as you start to this dad doing what is he doing but then as you start to understand the family and what the sacrifices that they have to make just to get by you start to to feel for them and then i found myself rethinking how i approached them initially and almost feeling bad for making certain assumptions. And then 
again, as things are revealed, I felt even worse for making certain assumptions because I was like, oh, the, their life is so much more, so much greater and they've endured so much more hardship than I could even imagine. Mm-hmm. Some of it of their own making, but it's it's very interesting in how, as a viewer, he forces you to rethink the, the individuals that you pass by on the street every day and not necessarily think about or you work with and you don't even understand their their real circumstance yeah and he really uh, finds a place where he's digging into our sense of compassion and what you were describing about rethinking and you know first you think of the dad why is he doing that and then you see as the film develops how everyone is interacting and the absolute love that comes out and the, the the compassion for each other there's an acceptance there that you know, a lot of so so called you know happy families don't have like they have each other's backs. They they are there for each other no matter what, mm-hmm. and it, it's a special relationship that you realize that you're part of. You're 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 getting invited into this space to get to know these people, to experience this special relationship. Yep. it's very effective. To, it's a, a must-see for this year. And I, I have a feeling it will be in the Oscar conversation for the, for foreign film. I hope so. There's a lot of there's a lot of good foreign films this year, but this is definitely one of them. Absolutely, yeah. That's the thing. The foreign film category is. I, I'm just glad I'm not voting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be impossible for me. Okay, so that was Shoplifters, opening December 21st. I mean, that's that's coming up. So so get ready. And uh, it's opening in Toronto at the Lightbox, and then on that date in Vancouver and Montreal, and then throughout the winter in other cities. And um, I feel like we sort of thematically have set up if Beale Street could talk in a way as well. In yeah, terms family of, plays a very important role in that film. Yeah, and in terms of you know possible expectations. Um, so if Beale Street could talk, Barry Jenkins' latest film is based on the novel by James Baldwin, and it's the story of a young woman named Tish. She, it, it takes place in Harlem in the 1970s, and <clears throat> excuse me, she's uh, newly engaged and deeply in love. It's, it's such, such a beautiful, uh, in terms of the, the interaction between the, the lovers, it's a, it's a beautiful love story, and uh, she just found out she's pregnant. And, you know, so it's the family dynamic of telling families. That, but but there's a major, major complication here, which is um, sort of a reality that, that they all have to face um, as a black family in the States, that uh, her fiancé has been arrested. And we know that he's he's not guilty. He's, he's but, but he's been arrested for... Um, for and charged with rape, raping, violently raping this woman who happens to live all the way across Manhattan. And there's these complications about how he ran away and someone saw a cop, saw him, but couldn't have, you know, mm-hmm. so I can't give away too much. Um, and And so, you know, it's how the family comes together over the pregnancy and how the family comes together over this reality of you know, this this young man and what he has to face and how they all face it and how they're all facing um, how how life in the 70s as, as you know, as black individuals, as, a, as black families, right? And, and so in terms of assumptions, 
I hope that a lot of, like, from a, a white person's point of view, like, this was such an effective film. Like, I didn't th think for a second, um, didn't think twice about the, the camaraderie, but then I started, li like, thinking about it and, and realizing that just like Creator, um, Barry Jenkins was bringing us into this, he was constructing it in such a way that the intimacy of the relationships, um, the beauty of the relationships, the, the family tensions that, that were then uh, immediately followed by laughing, by support, by, you know, that this is a view of um, the reality of, I mean, uh, sorry, I shouldn't be speaking about black reality no, here, but that this was a view that white people don't know. And that this is almost like a gift from Barry Jenkins, if you're white, to see this and get invited in. And if you pay attention, you learn so much. Yeah, and as a well, you know, I'll take the black perspective on this. It is. <laughs> Sorry, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to set it up as a black white thing. No, no, I just felt like, like for you know, for as genius as this film is, there's this added level of. You opened up, like you, Barry Jenkins, opened up something that is, it's, it's not even like you can talk about it, you know? But it's like there's this greater understanding that I feel that I have, not that I ever could have it, of the great injustice that people, you know, have to go through. I know, and that's, the, that's exactly the point of the film. Like, I, you know, if... If Barry was here, he would probably say that you you tapped into exactly what the film's about because the the film is based on a novel by James Baldwin, and as you said, it's set in the seventies. But Jenkins um, makes the film his own, and a lot of the stuff that Baldwin was referring to back in the sixties and seventies is still very relevant today. And what I loved about this film is you get that powerful sense of injustice and how the way how the system is designed to to put certain individuals especially individuals of color um into the penal system without fair due process and the hardships that come out of that but then jenkins also shows you a different side he shows you the tender love story he shows you this black family as regular people people who love who laugh and Often, especially in cinema, we, we don't always see that portrayal. Like you, you see more of the criminal aspect or something, but you, you rarely get such a touching love story where th the people and the characters resonate. And this mm -hmm. is a film where, you know, there was a lot of talk on Twitter. I think it was just yesterday because the SAG Awards came out and Regina King was not nominated for supporting actress. And everyone thinks that she's a front runner and she still is a front runner for the Oscar because her character as Tish's mother is very crucial to what unfolds in the film and also like a mother's sacrifice and a mother's belief in her daughter and her you know future son-in-law to the point where she was going to great lengths to try and prove his innocence like it, that the strength resonates. of that character yeah. you know to 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 bring her she she doesn't even like, there's moments where you can see like, she doesn't even know she has the strength to do mm -hmm. it and then she just picks herself up when she fails and she does it yeah and there's a lot of the supporting characters as well this is a film where Every individual that has a line has a purpose, whether it's um, Diego Luna as the friend in the, the restaurant. I mean, a lot of these characters are all in the book, but um, Dave Franco as the, the guy that rents the loft to them, mm -hmm. you know, where the, they're individuals of different backgrounds that they all connect on a, 
on a human level. And one of my favorite moments is probably one, one of the saddest is when um, Fawny is hanging out with a friend that recently got released from prison, played by um, Brian Tyree Henry, who's in the show Atlanta. And he gives this wonderful monologue that's so heartbreaking. It's just a small moment, but he's basically talking about life inside prison and how it changes you, how, you know, he witnessed things that he'll never forget and will, will haunt him. And then how do you try to readapt to society when you have that weight on you and you're always haunted by those like there's there's so many layers to this film and even though there's a, a deep social message it's still deeply romantic yes you, know, you can watch it just as with a that, with that touching friend. love story yeah but mm-hmm. uh, but that moment with that friend i i was completely um blown away by him it's one yeah it's yep. one speech and it encap- encapsulates so much um about the individual about the friendship about life about him mm-hmm. and it, you know foreshadowing part you wondering at that moment like you don't know what's going on with Fanny uh you because the timelines are sort of like yeah it jumps it, back and forth it jumps back and forth so you don't you're not really sure what's happening with Fanny and how how you're thinking how could that resonate for Fanny what he's describing but really what he's saying has a much greater impact and it's filling in the much greater story and and so on all these levels with even as you say with um with everything that even minor characters say it's it's like Jenkins is giving you such a complete perspective um that that covers all these different aspects um character aspects family social aspects political aspects just individual suffering aspects mm-hmm. and you know he says something else that that just also was so resonant um i'm getting um, a little speechless so no no it's good t- it's it, but this is this is the the beauty of cinema like we ha- we have two films we got shoplifters and if beale street that that hit you deeply on an emotional level and like you don't forget it when you see them you mm-hmm. know and it's not like you you even though they're they're bittersweet, you know, and you you kind of feel a little sad watching. I still felt charged up after seeing those films because you you do get that experience where you really think about your daily life. You think about life, the world around you, mm-hmm. while still connecting with the family and shoplifters, the families, and if Bill Street can talk, and you know, it's the, these are perfect examples of how cinema through friction through fiction can hit your reality in a meaningful way yeah and how you know um what you what we were both referencing was you know the different kinds of aspects like um even in the family a family that laughs you know a Mm -hmm. family that has to face these these kinds of tensions these kinds of problems these injustices um but you're right that those kinds of moments struck me where the laughing Right, the tension, you know that situation. Okay, the kids are pregnant, and how is everybody reacting? Yep. And it's such a fully complete range of reactions, and, and there's laughing and loving and and yeah, that I was struck by that. I realized you don't usually get to see black characters having these like tender moments mm-hmm. together. 
or you know the love story. It's such a beautiful love story. Yeah, and this is and this is why people are are pushing so much for representation and diversity in cinema. Exactly, now. And, like, and this is why it should happen. And, and like people not should just... watch this film and finally understand this is what you're missing yeah. when you're not funding, you know. Films that are not just your typical like don't keep remaking the the crap. Yeah, it's it's the showing the various facets of life. So you can have your whatever action film with you, but you can have if Beale Street, you can have Crazy Rich Asians. Like you can show the various facets of life, and you know a lot of people still don't grasp that just because they're so used to to seeing themselves in yeah. every like horror, romance, comedy, what have you. But once you start incorporating a bit of diversity representation, you realize that these stories are truly universal. Of course and they, they are. And they can show you how just with people of, uh, of different backgrounds have diff- slightly different twists on certain experiences or will look at something from a different way. So that's why films it's, like Bill Street and Shoplifters are, are yeah. ones that you should really go out of your way and see. Absolutely, because, you know, this this assumption that, oh, if you put a bunch of black characters on screen, the white people aren't going to to um, connect mm-hmm. is, is nonsense. It's absolute crap because it's individual stories. You can You can relate to a love story, that family scene. Really? How many yep. families? I mean, the, the only thing is the white people don't fully grasp how much the racism is affecting individuals in their lives. Yeah, unless, it's, unless it impacts them not, directly, they exactly. don't necessarily but see it. Yeah. If we don't see it, if we walk away from it, or if nobody like shows us the stories, we're not even going to come close. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so that's... that's why this, this, this is a, a, a must see. Absolute, full, rich, amazing experience if Bill Street could talk. But I don't want to say the last word. You said it was a must see. Anything else? No, it's it's fantastic. And I, I will say um, to to end the show on a, a lighter note. Oh, yes. We've had a yes. lot of emotional drama, but <laughs> there is a tie in to Bill Street. So I had mentioned um, Brian Terry Henry, who was also in Widows. He's having a phenomenal year. Because he was, he's great in the show Atlanta, um, Beale Street. He has a wonderful scene. He's great in Widows, and he also has a role in the animated film Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. And it just opened, or it's just it, about to open. It's opening this weekend. I, I, I right. caught an advanced screening. Um, I took my son on the weekend to advanced screening, and he absolutely loved it. And the whole theater was like laughing at all the right moments. It's a, it's a comedy, but. As we're talking about diversity and representation, it's a film that tells the Spider-Man origin in a in a whole new light. This is this film focuses not on Peter Parker, who's who's in the film, but a young um, half African American, half um, American Latino boy by the name of Miles Morales, and in his world, um, he gets bitten by a radioactive spider. And things happen, and there's a, a, a particular event where the bad guys are using this big device, and they start pulling. It's a, it basically is allowed to breach different worlds. So all of a sudden, Peter Parker from another world comes in. He, he had his own Peter Parker in his world, but this is a, a different one, and this is more of the Peter Parker we know. Uh, but Peter Parker is not like the sleek spider-man before now he's a little older he's got a pot belly <laughs> his, his marriage to mary jane is 
is struggling. Um, there's a a female by the name of Gwen Stacy who is known as Spider Gwen. She's there. There's a 1930s Spider Noir kind of character <laughs> with a trench coat played by Nicolas Cage. There's a um, Japanese girl by the name of Penny Parker who has this like radio art. She got also bitten by. They all got bitten by spiders, <laughs> and she has like this little mecha mechanical spider that she is. And then there's the cartoon character known as Spider Ham, who was a spider that got bit by a radioactive pig. <laughs> so all of these individuals are in Miles Morales' world, and they essentially have to, you know, help him become the hero that he was meant to be while navigating just regular issues in his life. You know, he comes from like a loving family, but there's still conflict with him trying to adapt to a new school. There's a whole bunch of villains running around and the Spider-Mans from the different universes all need to get back before they essentially fade away. Um, This film was, I guess, written by Phil Lord. He's one of the, the, um, great the duels that have did like 21 jump street the lego movie i wasn't a big fan of the lego movie but spider-man to the spider-verse is great <laughs> it great. is hilarious it's heartwarming it's the animation is unique and new it, it, it felt like they put every animational style you can think of so think of like the film waking life how they did that uh, yeah, rotoscoping yeah. that's in here they've got japanese manga that's in there like it's just a smorgasbord of styles and your eyes are watching it and there's times where you're trying to get used to this universe, but it's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. Just visually it's fascinating and it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of references to Spider-Man throughout the ages, good and bad. So (laughs) if you remember the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, he had a dance number in Spider-Man three, which was universally panned. They make reference to that. (laughs) They make reference to like the old, um, I guess sixties, seventies cartoon, the the Spider-Man merchandise that you find all over the place. There's a Stan Lee cameo in it that's very touching. It's one of those moments where the whole theater went, oh, you know, like, and it was, was that his last one. Like, was I the think last he has one, one more. Oh, okay. I think on IMDb it says he has one more because he wow. he was in a bunch. Yeah. This year alone, uh, but it's yeah, it's just so good. Like you'll you'll laugh. My my kid saw it a week ago, and normally with movies he'll sometimes forget certain things, but Every day we're going back and forth. Like, do you remember this line? And we're still laughing at really? it. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, so he didn't good. even get all those references. He doesn't care. They're all the different animation styles, it, but no, he, he it, loves for, it. For him, it, it works for for young kids on a just a funny kind of cartoon movie level, and then for older older audiences, there's a lot of references that you'll get, and also just the story is really good. Like, you know, you've got portly. Peter Parker as the pig. <laughs> You've got this Nick Cage as, as I said, the, the 1930s kind of Bogart <laughs> Spider-Man, <laughs> and he's he's got all the clues figured out. But there's certain things in the modern world that baffles him, and it's just <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just really well done, and like you know, the Spider Gwen, she's like a really strong, cool character. Um, some even some traditional villains, like you know, Doctor Octopus is now a woman. He was played by Alfred Molina in, like, I think Spider-Man 2. But now you've got a, a, a woman playing the character. And, like, they just they, – they mix it up. It's really a diverse world, but it all feels natural. 
it feels like the world that you kind of live in. So it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Perfect. That's a nice way to end it off. This holiday show. I may of go ours. see it again during the holidays. All so right. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> well, it sounds like I'm going to have some fun over the holidays too. Um, so great. Okay. So there's a lot to see over the holidays. Like you, you get some time off, right? No matter what you guys are celebrating or not, even not celebrating. Uh, it's a great time to go to the movies if you're not celebrating. Yeah, there'll be anything. a lot of things out, a lot of stuff that, uh, we haven't even seen yet, but like hearing good things, like the new Mary Poppins apparently is getting good reviews. Yeah, and, it's it's that one should be out soon, right? Yeah, I think because I keep seeing ads for yeah, it. Yeah, just so. before I think next week or just before yeah. Christmas. Yeah, there's, yeah, that one's got great. Reviews. Even Aquaman's getting good reviews. Like I think people are just in a in a, a joyful mood right now. So there's a lot of stuff to go see. Yeah, I think it's been a really good year. It has actually. Yeah. So oh, when which we'll talk about in January, I guess, mm-hmm. right? When yeah, we, we'll do like a year in review. Year in review, and then uh, then I will hold my tongue until then, and and then I will bash the Golden Globes for all the people, all the things they did not nominate. It's the Globes. It's it, Globes. Is, it's exactly what I thought it would be a oh. a list of. They didn't nominate Roma for best film. Don't get look. It's we had the Globes. <laughs> You, you watch the Globes to see celebrities get drunk. Sometimes you wonder why, like I think, what was it? Star Wars Born was not nominated in the musical category, but the drama. Like, I, yeah, yeah, they have yeah. Like but a lot you know, they didn't things. nominate Roma either, like it didn't mm-hmm. at all. And then it's like, why are you guys setting the stage for Stars? See, they, don't get me started. I, I liked Star Born, but yeah, I liked Roma but- more, yeah. But all these other films and uh, the, I, the, the Globes were never this bad. They, the nominee, the nominations, and even no. Okay, Donald Glover gets switch switch medium, right? Switch um, to TV. Mm-hmm. Donald Glover gets a nomination for Atlanta, but Atlanta doesn't get a nomination as a show. It's funny. You know, I just started watching Atlanta recently, and it's very funny. It's very but, um, funny I, and very creative. And oh. But I would say, when you say it's never been this bad, just remember, this is the same award body that nominated Johnny Depp for The Tourist. <laughs> and Angelina <laughs> Jolie. Like, it's the Globes. I, uh, I wish you guys could Globes see his face. The Globes kind of come and right? go for me. They, <laughs> you should see his face. He's just got that grin. Like, I, I enjoy, I enjoy you, award season. Like, I, I do enjoy award season, but... The Globes are just one of those things where I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> no, it's this mischievous laugh where he's like, you know, kind of laughing at me like, you thought it would be different? <laughs> I'll wait for the Oscars. <laughs> all right. All right, then. We, uh, we hope you have a great end of the year, new year. Good holiday season. Holiday season. And uh, we'll catch you guys in 2019. Thanks for listening.